From our nation's capital, this is Naps Chat. I'm gonna stand right down and write myself a letter And make believe it came from you Hi, and welcome to this week's edition of Naps Chat. I'm Bob Levy, the Director of Legislative and Political Affairs for the National Association of Postal Supervisors. A bit of legislative news was generated Wednesday when the Senate Committee on Homeland Security and Governmental Affairs voted to recommend the Senate confirm Michael Kubianta to a full term on the Postal Regulatory Commission. Until the Senate confirms Kubianta, Vice Chair Ashley Poling is serving as the Postal Regulatory Commission acting chair. Kubianda's term expired on November 22nd. As of yet, the Senate committee has not scheduled a confirmation hearing for the Board of Governor nominees Daniel Tangerlini or Derek Kahn. However, it is expected that committee chairman Gary Peters will schedule such hearings shortly. The gubernatorial position currently held by Board of Governors Chair Ron Bloom will become vacant on December 8th. And Governor John Barger will continue to serve until Derek Kahn is confirmed by the Senate, at which time he will relinquish his post. Now, let's turn our attention to this week on Naps Chat. Our guest is Bill McAllister. Bill is a returning guest. He last joined us in May 2020, where we chatted at the time about the hiring of Postmaster General Louis DeJoy. Bill McAllister is the Washington correspondent for Lynn Stamp News. Bill previously served as the Washington Bureau Chief of the Media News Group, which supplies news copy for about 100 daily and weekly newspapers. Bill also served almost 25 years as a reporter and editor for the Washington Post, who covered the Postal Beat. Welcome back to Naps Chat, Bill. Thank you. Great to be with you. Bill, One of our major focuses in the late spring 2020 discussion that we had on Napschat were the expectations and challenges confronting the new Postmaster General, Louis DeJoy. In part, we compared his projected onboarding to that of the late Postmaster General Marvin Runyon, a controversial Postmaster General in his own right. In retrospect, and with your wisdom of postal history, how would you compare the two? Well, they're, they're, they're alike in one sense, that they are both proving to be very controversial postmasters general. But they're quite different in their approach to how they solve the problem. Uh, the, and the problem that they are all faced with is basically postal finance. Runyon's solution which he immediately embarked on after taking office, was to fire a lot of people at headquarters, shrink the organization drastically, and um, basically cut down the, uh, the expenses that the Postal Service was running. Now, Marvin did well in a way until the mail started not being delivered on time, and then he had to retreat. We're seeing with Louis DeJoy a a different approach. His approach is that the Postal Service does need money urgently, and he is going to do everything he can to put more money in the coffers of the agency. He has done some cutting 
of jobs and some consolidation of jobs that are off the direct mail stream. But his primary focus has been to cut cost. And his cutting of cost has been to basically move the organization from a model that delivered most mail by air to one that delivered delivers mail by truck. Now, immediately you can begin to see that one of the uh, problems he's going to face is managing this incredible switch. For years, the Postal Service, from the year era of uh, Bill Henderson, who was the uh, Postmaster General after Runyon, he, he basically turned a lot of the mail transportation over to Federal Express, who used their planes to deliver mail all across the country for the uh, Postal Service, and for years had been the Postal Service's largest supplier in terms of dollars. DeJoy is, by background, a trucker, comes out of the trucking industry, and he knows that and is familiar with that. And his approach, as outlined in his new 10-year plan, Delivering for America, his approach is to put more mail in trucks and deliver it by truck for relatively short distances. Now, we haven't, I don't see, think we've seen enough of this model to know if it's going to work and work as well as he hopes it will. But that's what he's going to be judged by in the long run, is can he deliver the mail at a cheaper price than uh, the organization had been doing before? He has basically signaled that he is going to use every ounce of power he has to raise rates and that is that that presents part of the dilemma that he will face is uh how much can you raise the price of a stamp letters have gotten increasingly expensive their time for delivery has lengthened as a result of one of his decisions to slow down the mail and the question is, how is that going to play? It's clearly not playing well with congressional Democrats who have made no secret that they want him out. And I think, and in one sense, he is, he is the most, I want to say, presidential type of postmaster general we have seen since the postal reorganization in the early 70s. He, he really, his credentials for the job came from uh, his ability. He was basically known and known to members of the Board of Governors as somebody who was a strong Republican Party financier. He, uh, he had been that way for a while, and he, he remains uh, very strong uh, partisan in that regard. But I think we're, we're going to have to see whether he can, he can deliver on his plan he claims, and his aides have said, that to make Delivering for America work, every aspect of the plan has to work. That means higher prices, slower deliveries, and thus far, the Board of Governors, who control the agency, have basically gone along with his plan. Now, the new 
appointees, when they take over, that is going to be one of his big coming tests. How does he manage a board, five of whose members are not nominated by Donald Trump? He was appointed by a board that was totally uh, controlled by and filled with Trump appointees. So it, 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 he's he's got some challenges ahead, and they're going to come pretty quick, I think. Let me follow up on your observation about changing the model from air yes. to truck transport. Mm. And one of the first things he did when he was postmaster general was using that model had the trucks, the delivery vehicles and vehicles, depart prior to them being fully loaded yeah. or waiting for the mail. And yeah. that caused tremendous, tremendous amount of uh, concern within the mailing community. So I want to come back to a maxim attributed to the great 20th century newspaper columnist, actor, and humorist, Will Rogers. You never get a second chance to make a good first impression. Coming out of the box, DeJoy made quite a splash, and we all can agree to that. No matter yes. what he may or may not achieve during his tenure in the short term or long term, is his reputation at this point engraved in stone? I think for many people it is. It's clearly in stone to a lot of congressional uh, Democrats who see him as a uh, divisive figure, a partisan figure. They are very distrustful of him. And... Uh, I haven't seen that in my uh, years of covering the Postal Service. Postal has not been as partisan an issue as it has become first under Donald Trump, who, who, who made it his, as everyone knows, he was just furious over the rates the Postal Service was giving Amazon and other big mailers. And he, 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 he obsessed on that. And uh, wanted that changed. Uh, the uh, postal uh, the administrators who had been appointed by the previous uh, boards uh, basically said no to that. Now he's got a he, he has had a very uh, supportive board. The board not only picked him, but they have endorsed and strongly stood behind his 10 year plan. That's a that that's a change. Uh, in, in my years of covering the Postal Service, I can't recall of it ever being this partisan. Now there was an incident the other day where some of the Republicans in the I believe in the Senate really got upset with him, and it was over a small test he was running uh, of a plan that let uh, postal services. Uh, in a few locations, cash checks and, and do a few banking transactions. That was the first break I've seen from Republicans in, in their strong support of him. And uh, even at hearings and elsewhere, the, the nature of the postal issue on the Capitol Hill has really been polarized. Republicans have tended to stand up for the support the joy. Democrats almost unanimously have opposed him. So they, it's a real change of 
I've seen for uh, a postmaster general. Let me ask you, as a reporter, and you speak with postal policymakers, elected, nominated, or just plain hired, and you've yeah. spoken with employees in your in your beat, and you speak with mailers. Yeah. How did they react to this perceived lack of bipartisanship or deterioration of the bipartisanship of the Postal Service? Well, that's a very good question. My impression is they they don't appreciate the gravity of the situation enough, the mailers and others. Some hold back, and uh, I, I know, for example, in, in the labor organizations, the uh, some of those people have held back because they want to be uh, seen favorably by uh, DeJoy. And DeJoy's actions to date, he's been, he has not taken on the postal labor force or the unions, which is, um, I think, a significant shift. But he, he still, he, 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 he has been able to, to rally uh, Republican support for most of his programs. And uh, that's a real divide. Like I said, I have never, I haven't seen in my years of covering the Postal Service. The Postal Service is pretty uh, much a a low-key agency. In the old days, I'm sure you will recall, uh, postal issues were front and center for lots of people in uh, Congress. Uh, I, I, I won't ever forget an interview I had with the late Melvin Laird, former Defense Secretary uh, in the Nixon administration, and uh, he basically he told me that the worst vote he ever had in Congress, and the one that his mother gave him unceasing criticism for, was voting for a, a, a postal bill hike. And in those days, and before, the Postal Service was a truly political organization. I grew up in a small town in North Carolina, and when the administration changed, the postmaster general in that small town changed. If it was a Republican president, sure enough, a Republican postmaster uh, could be found for our little town. So in one sense, politics are, are not new. Uh, to the Postal Service. But, and, and under the joy, we have gone back to a, a much sharper political definition of the Postal Service. I've always felt that the, one of the things that the postal reorganization of, of the early 70s lost was a postmaster general who could go to the president and say, I need help supporting some particular postal project law change or, or something like that. For years, uh, we've had uh, postmasters general who have no uh, way to go to the White House and really get strong support from a president because they are sympathetic politically. Uh, in one sense, DeJoy is that. He, 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 is, he was, although he was appointed by the board, he was the most sympath- he was very sympathetic to Trump and made a point of saying that he planned to remain even if Trump le- left office as uh, Trump has. So we've we've gone full circle and uh, I think the uh, the joy record is yet to be uh, 
developed and his legacy uh, remains uncertain. I, I want to I follow up on that because I think that you make a very, very interesting point. And I'd like to talk about the nature of the Board of Governors yes. since we presently have two nominees pending before the Senate. I pulled up an old article you wrote back in early January 1993, and we were talking about presidential influence over the postmaster general and vice versa. Then in 1993, January 1993, President George H.W. Bush threatened to fire all nine board of governors over his disagreement with the board's proposed rate increase. We know yeah. that former President Trump continually to attempt to influence postal decisions relating to parcel pricing, as you referenced, about the pricing of Amazon products. And also he criticized the Postal Service being involved in the 2020 election process by virtue of absentee ballots. Yes. And finally, at a November 19th, 2021 press conference a couple of weeks ago, immediately after President Biden announced his nominees, the president's press secretary, Jen Psaki, in response to a question from the press, responded that the president, quote, was troubled, end quote, by the way the PMG was running the Postal Service as the basis of his selection of nominees and to replace, among others, Ron Bloom and John Barga. How does the exercise of presidential authority influence postal decision-making? Well, that that's one that's, uh, I would have to say, uh, TBA, to be determined. Uh, I think um, clearly the uh, Biden presidency wants to influence the uh, postal policies, and they want somebody in there who's sympathetic to them philosophically. They are, they don't, they, I think they view DeJoy as a Republican partisan. I mean, th th his whole record. The thing that he was famous for was for being a, a, a one of the Republican Party financiers. And that's, I think, I, I've always felt that was in part the way he got on the board. And the board, if you look at its composition, a lot of the people that Trump appointed were people he knew as political uh, donors and Republican partisans. The idea of a board, when it was set up again in the early 70s, was it was supposed to be composed of uh, Class A business executives, people who knew business and how to run a business. And uh, it, it was thought that they could uh, help guide the uh, Postal Service in a business-like fashion. The, the problem has been that a lot of the appointees have been like the Trump appointees, they have been very more politically skilled in politics than in business. And they, they tend to know political things more than, and operate as political operatives more than business executives guiding the uh, machinations of the Postal Service. And I think if, if you looked at that, there are a lot of people who have backgrounds in male issues who who have wanted to serve on the postal board and elsewhere, but they usually get shot down as that they ha they know too much. They may be too biased towards one particular sector of the mail versus another sector, mm -hmm. and and the postal service I think in the long run has suffered from that because what you need 
on the board, in my view, is you need people who understand the, the machinations of running a huge commercial enterprise, which is basically what the Postal Service is. Well, let, me and, let me touch on that, Bill, because I want I, I, I to drill down there. Yeah. As you pointed out, most of the Trump nominees have been political operatives coming out of the financial services industry, generally speaking. The most recent Biden nominees, we're talking about uh, Derek Kahn, who who worked for uh, Senator uh, Mitch McConnell as a young young staffer, served in the government, government service, as did Daniel Tangerlini, both with – and Tangerlini actually was an administrator – in the District of Columbia, for the city of District, the District of Columbia, you had Ron Stroman, who was Deputy PM, Postmaster General, worked on Capitol Hill. Yeah. You had Amber McReynolds work election mail out in Colorado. You have yeah. Anton Najjar working as counsel for the APW. That is a different skill set than the yeah. Trump nominees. How do well, you it, think? Well, it would, it, it would seem that that would that those people should be more sympathetic to the issues facing the Postal Service than, say, the Trump people, who whose agenda has been one of uh, cost-cutting. Although, I, I, again, I, I'd say one thing, uh, DeJoy has not pursued cost-cutting of uh, labor jobs, the union jobs. The union jobs have been pretty... Uh, protected under the joy thus far. I, I don't know if that can last because, as you know, one of the biggest problems the Postal Service has had for years has been its labor costs have remained consistently about 70 percent of the postal budget. And they have spent billions of dollars on automation and trying to cut cost. And basically, we're still at 70 percent. And that, every time there's a postal problem, as I well remember from the, the Runyon years, the, the only way to solve the postal problem has been throw more labor on the problem, because that's that's been the way the Postal Service has operated. I think with DeJoy, if you have a new plan, he is, according to some, basically tending to favor package mail. Well, the letter mail has been decreasing for the past 20 years, uh, and and that has been the basic thing that's carried the mail service in the past. So that, there's a real dynamic change uh, that's about to happen in the mail, and I just, I, I'm not wise enough to know where it's going to lead us. They say that uh, package volume should start to fall off from its high during the pandemic. But even if it does, the question for the the long-range future of the Postal Service is how does it handle packages? Can it make packages, if they become overwhelmingly dominant in the mail stream, they're going to have to carry more of the freight, pay more of the bills for the overhead of the Postal Mm -hmm. Service. Which, the, which UPS would, single, which which is UPS's point that the postal service should pay more of the overhead and attribute yes. it to parcels. Yes, and that, that's one big change that hasn't happened in the years 
uh, it, it's been talked about a lot that you need to realign who pays for the postal services, enormous overhead costs. Well, letters are going to drop according to the postal service projections. They're going to continue to drop. And uh, I, I don't think, uh, I, I don't sense that they are willing enough to do enough to the package business yet I, because I think they see packages as the future. But at some point they've got to come to grips with the fact that letters can no longer carry uh, the heavy carrying costs. Right. But when, when that Bill, when that happens, and you know, as the as the postmaster general, you know, sort of moves uh, the the postal model away from letter and periodicals, which the postal service was actually established to move, and, and has. Uh, the whole concept of what is the universal service obligation of the Postal Service could be impacted by the shift to parcels away from letters and periodicals, which has traditionally been the constituted the largest um, part of the mail volume of the Postal Service. And that's one issue that the Congress has declined to address because it's been – I've heard numerous postmasters general go up to Congress and say, you should define what our – service obligation is to the public. And the Congress doesn't want to do that any more than they used to want to raise stamp prices. It's, it's, it's like uh, the Melvin Laird example. They don't, they, that's the type of issue they don't want to vote on because it's a no winner for them. I mean, if you, if you're going to deny people some sort of postal service, you're going to be vulnerable to criticism, and uh, they, they are, the Congress is frankly afraid of that, both Democrats and Republicans. Let me ask you the final question. I recall the Carly Simon song that was the—I I guess I think it won an Academy Award for a James Bond movie, Nobody Does It Better. The Postal yeah. Service has historically— been the premier deliverer of whether it be correspondence, parcels, whatever, uh, because yes. of it, because it delivers everywhere. We're in the midst of real the second peak season under the Postmaster General Louis DeJoy. What are you hearing from the mailing community about postal performance and your readers? Are we doing? I mean, so far so good. Are we going? I well, mean, well, I, I would say yes, but I don't think the mail. The, the mail volume has hit them yet. I mean, we're just uh, starting in December, and that's when I think the volume is going to just go up dramatically. And we'll find out very quickly if the Postal Service is ready, as Joy has proclaimed it. I, I think he knows that, and he is watching. He will be watching those uh, indices most carefully. But I, 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 again, I think the other thing we don't know going ahead is how this new board of five Biden appointees will meld together. Will they be united? Will they will they be happy with remaining keeping DeJoy in office, or do they will they want a real dramatic change? I mean, I, I haven't heard a line developing a yet for people wanting to be postmaster general. It is a very, very tough job. 
with that parting note, I want to thank you, Bill, for once again joining me and having an entertaining and really exciting talk about the Postal Service. This has been Bill McAllister, the Washington correspondent for Lynn Stamp News. Thank you, Bill. Thank you, Bob. And I want to thank Naps Chat listeners for logging on this week. If you enjoy Naps Chat, please leave a positive review in the Apple Podcast Store. And more importantly, share Naps Chat with your friends and colleagues. Until next week, be safe and be healthy. I'm going to send you